Centuries of freedom have taught us to think in terms of continuous improvement of an always better future. Hello, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. I'm Matthew House Barbie, and we are back for series five of the Decrypting Crypto podcast. We've taken a little break, had about a year and a half out, a lot going on. I had a kid that kind of kept me busy. And there was kind of this whole global pandemic thing, which some of you may have heard about. Um, but of course, the main headlines we've had have been all around the emergence of and resurgence of decentralized finance. The crypto space has been booming. And we've started to really see outside of just uh, art-based NFTs, whole new ecosystems around gaming and in particular play to earn starting to arrive. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Miles Anthony, the founder of Decentral Games. They are a play to earn ecosystem. They have a uh, very popular game called Ice Poker, takes place inside Decentraland. And we're going to be talking all about how players are earning several thousand dollars a month, how full guilds are being created, where uh, NFT owners are making passive income through um, uh, through the game itself. And we're just going to talk a little bit about, you know, like the tokenomics, how this whole thing works, and Miles's view for the next few years of play to earn. This is going to be one of a few projects that we speak to over the next few weeks. Uh, we've got a really interesting interview with the team over at Meta Soccer coming up soon, which is another play to earn game. And we've got a whole host next week. We're going to be dropping uh, an interview um, that's a bit more focused on DeFi as well. So, we're going to jump straight into the interview with Miles right after this. If you're struggling to get your head around the complexity of decentralized finance, I have something just for you. Decrypting DeFi is an online course where I walk you through all of the important concepts within DeFi and share step-by-step -step tutorials on how to start generating income from your crypto assets. Whether you're interested in this from an investment point of view or just want to better understand how things like yield farming, liquidity mining, and staking works, the course will have something for you. Head over to mhb.xyz forward slash DeFi to learn more. Okay, Miles, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're probably incredibly busy right now. You're the founder of Decentral Games. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the crypto space and how you ended up uh, being one of the founders here at, at Decentral Games? Hey, Matt. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, of course. Let's see. So I've been in crypto um, since late 2016 early 2017, kind of during the initial ICO boom. So I got to really see, you know, the market kind of fold during that time. Um, and it was mostly from kind of like a just speculative standpoint, you know, trading standpoint. And, um, you know, I was, I was interested in, in blockchain technology, but I didn't really dive into it until, you know, mid 2017 to late 2017. 
after having like, you know, invested in a few projects. Um, you know, one of them, you know, was the central end. So, um, you know, from the beginning, the kind of roadmap of an open metaverse virtual world, um, where all the assets were kind of represented by, you know, digital, um, you know, tokens and NFTs really was appealing to me. And it, I felt like it was something that the team could actually deliver on and the use case made, made a lot of sense. And so that was kind of like my first real involvement with any project in particular. Um, you know, following that, I participated in the land auction and, you know, was, was closely tracking the community development. Um, and then eventually uh, I realized like in early 2019 that no one was really building anything substantial um, and en engaging in this, um, you know, virtual world. And so that's kind of when I had the idea to start DG. So that was like, yeah, early 20, 2019, March. Great. And it seems like, you know, your your initial um, adoption within Decentraland has, has probably helped shape some some platform decisions here. But, but before we dive into some of that, you know, for for some some of our listeners here, play to own gaming is probably something that they're either just starting to hear about or or maybe it's like pretty fresh to them. You know, for I'm sure that you have to explain this to to people uh, almost on a daily basis at this point. But how how would you explain it to someone completely new to crypto right now? So yeah, play to earn gaming is is essentially just um, you know games that you can play where the assets are represented by NFTs and you know the the currencies in game are represented by uh, tokens. And so what this basically does is it allows you to you know, move value from within that ecosystem to, to any other ecosystem um, to, you know, if, if you want to cash out, you can, you know, after uh, accruing some some tokens or, you know, NFT assets within the game, then you can you actually sell them on a secondary marketplace and, you know, redeem that for you know, real hard you know, cash. And so, um, you know, because of this, you know, there's, there's several games that have formed that really, you know, provide a solid incentive to actually, you know, play the game. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a huge wave of, of these new games that basically pay the players in the native currency uh, to play the game. Um, and so the, those obviously have gained, you know, quite a lot of traction, but I would say overall, play to gaming is really just allowing the players to have custody of their assets. And I think this, this concept is really valuable and, and powerful um, because, you know, people, once they have custody of their assets and basically digital property rights of their assets within that ecosystem, um, I feel like they're, they're much more willing to, um, spend a lot of money on, on those assets because a, you know, the, the value is, is not locked up forever. You know, if they, if they do, you know, want to remove that value from the ecosystem or, or, or sell those, those assets, then they're, they're able to do so. And, um, and B, I think, you know, once, when you have these digital assets, you know, held by your community, it, it creates a very strong network effect. And so, you know, with each player and participant in the ecosystem being a stakeholder in a lot of ways, um, they're much more willing to, you know, spread the news about the, the platform. And so I think, you know, this, this play to earn gaming wave really is in its infancy. And some of the token models that we've seen so far are just, you know, pretty simple. Um, but I think the concept is definitely here to stay. Um, it's just a matter of creating economics that are long-term sustainable. I feel like a lot of projects <clears throat> early on in the play to earn space have kind of created ecosystems where 
the rewards are really attractive. And so it's a, they're able to, you know, garner a lot of users, but I think, you know, the key really is to be able to construct these, you know, economic incentives within the ecosystem such that, you know, those rewards are sustainable long-term and they incentivize people to, you know, keep value within the ecosystem rather than, rather than uh, remove it. And I think that's a piece where if we, if we unpack that one a little bit, that I see hesitation from uh, people that are looking to be a player within play to earn gaming and earn income from it. One of their concerns is, well, you know, I'm being paid in this kind of native token. Uh, we, we'll, we'll dig into this for Decentral Games and how this all works that fluctuates in price a bunch and you know what happens if i kind of get dumped on and this token that i've spent all this time accruing like all of a sudden like tanks in in value um do 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 you find that a lot of your players in decentral games are kind of crypto natives that just kind of inherently understand this and understand this risk or or do you have quite a lot of people that are completely fresh and maybe have come back from more of a gaming background or or are just kind of curious of the space yeah i would say we i would say we have like a you know a nice distribution of both um you know obviously the the folks that are crypto native um are a little bit more familiar with you know how things work and are, are able to stomach the price fluctuations um but yeah we've also seen a lot of people that are very new to, to web3 um you know and are basically interested in in some of the incentive um mechanisms to play the game kind of be incentivized to create a wallet for the first time and start playing, you know, in our case as a delegated player um, where you don't really have to purchase anything upfront in order to start earning tokens as rewards. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, DG and nice poker really, you know, can appeal to both, uh, but you do bring up a good point. You know, there's market movements, you know, macro market movements, um, you know, definitely have an effect on, on the in-game ecosystem. Um, it's not fully insulated obviously, because it's, you know, there's certain things that are highly correlated with, with ETH or, or Matic or, or other, you know, tokens. Um, and so, yeah, there, there are movements, you know, within the, the ecosystem in terms of price that, you know, definitely um, can be drastic at times. But, you know, we we basically designed it such that, um, you know, it's able to kind of breathe and, you know, the ecosystem can respond to these market conditions in, in certain ways such that, um, it can kind of recover um, from any type of movements in any direction mm. and kind of balance itself out. Got it. So, so let's actually let's let's take a little bit into decentral games and and uh, I know that decentral games is ultimately uh, an an online casino ecosystem uh, in the play to play to earn space, and it seems like one of the first games within this ecosystem right now that exists is Ice Poker. I'm I'm a big fan. I, I own a bunch of these NFTs just as a disclaimer for, for everyone, but maybe you can explain at a high level what Ice Poker is and, and how it works. Yeah, of course. Um, so, so yeah, Ice Poker has been our, our most successful game today. We've built several other games, but um, they haven't reached the, the amount of engagement and adoption that Ice Poker has. And Ice Poker is something that we just launched recently. It's it's only been a little over three months since we fully uh, you know launched it uh, to the community. And so basically, it's a free play poker game um, that you get access to by owning a wearable. Um, but you can also lend out your wearable if you have one. So people that don't have a wearable are able to rent that wearable 
um, and then basically not not have to you know purchase anything, but still get to use it and um, receive a revenue share split between the player and the owner of the wearable. Um, and when so you talk about seen... a wearable, just for just for people that may not be as familiar with the term, we we're kind of just talking here about an NFT. And should people just think about this as almost just like there's there's no specific utility other than them being able to use this to play? Uh, is that the best way to think about it? Yeah, um, definitely. That's that's one way to think about it. On top of that, it's also just like a cosmetic item in the metaverse. So in our in our scenario, um, an ecosystem. Uh, these wearables are, are items that you actually can wear if you own them. You can wear them on your avatar. And so because all of our games are in a 3D virtual space, you know, wearing these can definitely be seen as a, quite a flex, especially for the higher ranked items that are pretty pricey as you as you upgrade them. Excellent. And so how does, uh, so you've got the, the NFTs and I think looking at this at the time of recording, I think like the price floor of um, the entry level rank one NFTs right now is like two and a half ETH um, to, to buy in. I know you do uh, mints directly every month. So you have the NFTs to play and then you're rewarded in the ICE token, right? So how does how does the ICE token play a role here and how how is value of that token somewhat maintained and distributed to people playing the game? Yeah, definitely. So basically... Um, by having access to a wearable, either owning it or receiving delegation, you get a daily allocation of chips. Uh, chips are, you know, just used within the ice poker ecosystem. They're not worth, they're not worth anything. They don't have any market value, um, but basically you can use them to play poker, um, you know, each day, each day is broken up into, um, you know, a period where, you know, you, you get ranked on a leaderboard based on your net chips gain or loss. Um, the leaderboard is broken up into 20 tiers. So, you know, at the top of the leaderboard, if you score in one of those top tiers, you get a higher multiplier and on the bottom of the leaderboard, you get a you know, lower multiplier. And then by achieving, um, and accomplishing three daily challenges, um, then you're able to receive ice rewards. And so by doing that and being at the top of the leaderboard, you get much more ice, um, then if you, you know, achieve your challenges and score at the bottom of the leaderboard, this is kind of how we incentivize people to actually play real poker and, you know, play tight poker, even though they're playing with free play chips. Um, and so basically each player, if you, you know, play ice poker, you get some amount of ice at the end of the day, but if you do well then you get a lot more than, you know, if you, if you play poorly. Um, and so, and then, you know, the, the payouts are administered at the end of each day. So midnight UTC. And then, you know, with those ICE tokens, um, the utility they have is to be burned to upgrade your items. So each wearable starts as a level one item. And then as you, you know, earn ICE, you can burn it to then upgrade those wearables to level two, three, four, and then five diamond hands is, um, is the progression. And, and what so, does it do uh, when you're upgrading those, those NFTs? What, what function does that serve? Um, basically, as you upgrade NFTs, they, they change into like a flashier, um, rarer NFT. Uh, so, you know, obviously, if you, you know, wear a higher ranked NFT, it's definitely a, a digital uh, flex within the, the metaverse. Um, but also, uh, the higher ranked NFTs have higher bonus um, variables. So basically, um, you know, your earning potential increases if you're wearing like a higher ranked um, NFT. Um, there's a few so other incentives poker. that we tie. Go ahead, sorry. 
Sorry, I was just gonna clarify. So if I'm if I'm playing uh, poker and I say I finish like middle of the leaderboard, if I'm playing that with a rank five versus a rank one, I'm gonna get a much bigger multiplier on my my earnings, kind of regardless of that, right? Exactly, exactly. And then we have a, a few other incentives to upgrade as well. Um, one of them um, also is if you're delegating it, you actually get a more favorable split as an owner. So you get to capture more of that upside from the bonus um, as you upgrade the wearable. So basically, you know, on top of being like a bit more flashy um, and, you know, a bit more appealing visually, the, the items are actually um, earning you more tokens, more ice tokens, um, if you're playing with the higher ranked ones or delegating the higher ranked ones. So as an owner of that NFT, I can earn more ice tokens with these higher ranked uh, NFTs. And as a as an owner of this NFT, I can also kind of delegate this, so like loan this out to, to someone to play on my behalf, and I get a higher revenue share cut of those earnings. And there's going to be higher earnings in the, the process. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Okay, great. So... Um, <clears throat> When we talk about kind of earnings here, what what are some of the typical returns that some of the people near the top of the leaderboard are earning? Or like what's, uh, I don't know if you have any metrics around like average earnings uh, per day that people are typically getting, just so people can understand like what, what kind of scale we're talking about here. Yeah, definitely. So um, with the current price of, of ICE token, um, if you're at the top of the leaderboard, Generally, your, your reward is going to be around 600 ice, uh, which is roughly $90. Um, so you can earn 90, up to $90 a day, roughly. This is before any bonuses as well. So you actually can earn much much more than that if you, you know, have higher ranked items. Um, so 90 bucks at the top of the day or top of the leaderboard, um, kind of near the middle, you, you'd be earning around 40. Um, and then at the bottom, it's like, you know, $4, uh, 3 or $4. So yeah, it really depends on your performance during any given time of day uh, or any given day. Um, but the, the range is definitely there and there's, there are incentives to actually, you know, perform well because um, you can, you know, multiply your earnings quite a bit. So ba- based on that, what what's the adoption look like uh, right now? Is have, have things really picked up over the, the past few months? I, I know that you host a lot of this inside Decentraland is is Ice Poker one of the more popular games in there? Are there many others? Yeah, um, so you know Decentraland you know, is a great you know um, you know concept. It's a virtual world where people can own you know, all, the, all the assets they accumulate, and you can build all types of you know virtual experiences within um, Decentraland using their SDK. <clears throat> and so you know from the beginning, um, you know, the main the main like hurdle with the central line is it's kind of clunky in terms of user experience just because we're pretty early in metaverse. And so as a result, you know, there hasn't been, you know, a lot of users in the central line. There hasn't been like, you know, until a couple months ago when we, we launched ice poker by kind of giving people an incentive, you know, an economic incentive to actually just be in the central line, you know, for a few hours each day and play poker um, and provide that player liquidity for the ecosystem. Um, we've seen a huge amount of growth in terms of, you know, daily active users, engagement, et cetera. And so, you know, if you, any time of day, if you hop into the ice poker venues, um, there's around uh, 1,200 concurrent players, um, which is pretty considerable, you know, compared to a lot of other open metaverse platforms that we've seen recently, um, because a lot of them kind of seem empty 
um, which is not great for user experience because the metaverse is, you know, inherently supposed to be a social experience. And so, you know, that's why we see value in populating it with these token incentives um, because we, you know, there's, there's a lot of other, other, you know, additional value we can unlock by just having that player liquidity, um, you know, in the metaverse. Okay, so it seems like you've been picking up some really nice traction. You've got uh, uh, it, it, certainly from uh, the outside looking in, there's huge demand for the NFTs that you've been launching. I think uh, I I joined the last mint, and I think they all sold out in like under a minute or something crazy, right? Which was uh, a testament to the demand you guys are generating. Yeah, definitely. Um, so right now we're we're at around seven thousand four hundred daily active players. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a bit limited in terms of, you know, the, the upper bound, just because it's, you know, bound by the amount of wearables that we've released. And so, so yeah, so far we've released 8,250 wearables. So it's a pretty solid utilization rate. Um, and, you know, we, we do these drops every week or two to, to continue growing and um, increasing our player base. And so right now we're just really focused on, you know, growing at a sustainable rate and, you know, coupling that with um, a lot of product improvements that, so the actual game is much smoother and, you know, well positioned to accommodate the large, you know, increase of users. And so, you know, we, we feel that we can be, we can become, you know, the most player liquid poker destination on the internet. You know, some of the top sites right now are typically around six or 7,000 concurrence actively playing um this is like for cash game poker um, obviously you know for tournaments um in certain special events a lot of those sites are much much larger but we we basically we feel that by allowing you know or giving our players incentives to actually just play every day um, we can become the most player liquid poker destination um, where you can earn real value um, you know on the internet pretty soon that's it sounds like a really ambitious target, but it doesn't seem like the the numbers are that crazy far off right now. Um, I I want to dig in a little bit more into some of the upcoming kind of gameplay updates that that you have planned for Ice Poker in particular. But before we do that, you know, one of the the questions that comes up a lot, and I don't think this is um, specific to Ice Poker. I think broader DeFi, but when we talk about rewards and uh, the payouts in ice poker. Let's, let's touch a little bit on some of the tokenomics here at a very, very high level. So you're making NFT sales, which from what I understand, those the revenue you create from that go into a, a treasury. And how, how does that treasury interact with the ice token? Is that used to kind of mint or back the, the ice token in any way? Or how, how is that all interplaying at a, an economic level? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the, the treasury does back the ICE token basically through an LP uh, position in USDC ICE. So that that LP position has around seven million dollars of liquidity. So you know, ICE, the ICE token basically is backed by that. So it's you know, it's you're able to trade in and out of ICE um, as as you'd like uh, due to that liquidity position. And then also the treasury is just you know holds funds that are you know governed by the the XDG holders. So people staking in decentral games governance. And so, you know, by, by allowing the community to make decisions around, you know, economics and, you know, rewards and, um, you know, product improvements, um, we feel that it positions us, you know, in the right, in the right way in order to, um, you know, really prioritize the right things. 
Um, you know, other other assets in the treasury include you know over fifteen million dollars of decentralized land, um, the sixth largest polygon node um, validator node uh, by amount staked, um, and and several other you know LP positions um, that you know really position the DG ecosystem for growth. Um, so so yeah, it's it's been crazy to watch it grow. It's grown to over I think it's around fifty five million dollars worth of digital assets now in the DG treasury. And so, you know, basically our, our objective with all the governance proposals so far to manage the treasury has just been to position, you know, the, the ecosystem as a whole um, for sustainable growth over the next several years. Yeah. And I will say from looking at the, um, the activity on governance within DG, it's by far one of the more active um like governance that I've that I've seen, lots of voting happening all the way through from like gameplay stuff, which I think was always going to get a lot more attention through to some of the treasury um, proposals. My one question for you here: How much are you kind of balancing thinking about kind of like the primary revenue driver, if you like, and growth driver being centered around the economic activity that comes from ice poker, like NFT sales and uh, etc through uh versus just actually like putting your treasury assets to work seems like you've got a few different things at, at play here like the polygon uh, validator node and um and a few other plays in there but how much is are those strategic investments going to play a role in dg's growth long term i would say pretty pretty big um role they would play uh you know just having the polygon validator node is, is solidifies dg um, as a stakeholder in that ecosystem, and we've been able to grow quite a bit. I mean, <clears throat> that in that you know holding alone um, since you know inception is up more than ten x um, in terms of return. Uh, so that you know that was a very solid uh, move by the treasury. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you know the treasury ultimately is is um, you know it's supposed to be managed effectively so it can grow, but also you know it's really just. It serves the purpose of um, setting up the DG ecosystem for long-term sustainability. And so, you know, eventually we want it to be entirely autonomous um, and kind of managed by the community. And so, you know, we've, we've been looking into, I've been actually designing a few new proposals to basically incentivize um, further engagement from our guild owners, you know, because the way I see it is, you know, guild owners basically are some of the most important um, actors in our ecosystem. Uh, just because you know they, they, their livelihood as a guild owner and their earnings potential is directly related to a lot of the decisions, like the economic decisions that are that are made by um, the DAO, and so you know it makes a lot of sense for for these guild owners to hold positions um, and governance um, tokens in order to the, you know, shape the future. And the guild owners that you're talking about here, just for for people that aren't familiar, right? These are holders of multiple nfts that are delegating out would that be a fair a fair description yeah yeah exactly so yeah i can kind of go over the whole the rundown so basically you know you you can join the ecosystem as a delegated player by just receiving delegation um this is the way you can play for free you know without you know purchasing an nft or making any you know capital um investment in the ecosystem and then you know we have uh, player owners, which basically we, you know, we try to incentivize people that have become delegated players to then move to player ownership by minting their own NFT or buying off secondary. And so by, by making that jump, you earn, you know, from, you go from earning 
a portion of the revenue from that specific wearable to own to uh, earning 100% of the revenue from that specific wearable. Then the next jump is, you know, once you're a player owner, you accumulate multiple wearables. So then you can delegate one of them to each, you know, new player. Um, and then at that point, you have a guild. So guild is basically someone who holds, um, you know, wearables that are delegated to other players. So that basically, you know, you earn a passive uh, revenue split of those players' uh, earnings. And so, um, you know, due to the variance um, in payouts, you know, from the top of the leaderboard and the bottom of the leaderboard, if you're a player, uh, player owner or a delegated player, your, your, your payout can kind of vary day to day based on, you know, luck and skill combination of the both um, of them. But as a guild owner, you know, because you have multiple players playing for you, um, the variance is reduced. And so we've seen a lot of folks actually, you know, start um, metaverse native businesses around, you know, managing a nice poker guild because it, um, you know, due to the reduced variance, they're kind of able to lock in um, some pretty solid, um, you know, rewards from, you know, just owning several wearables and delegating them. Yeah. And, and as an NFT owner, how, how easy is it? And how do I go about actually finding players and, uh, bringing them in so that they can kind of be, uh, so I can delegate to them and earn on, on a share of their revenue. Yeah. So right now, um, all you need is just their Ethereum address. And so, you know, we have a system in our discord so you can, you know, find, uh, players that are willing to play with delegated wearables. Um, and we've been exploring other options as well, just to be able to expand the reach. Um, the, the proposition is just really attractive as a delegated player, since you really don't have to make any commitment in terms of, um, you know, financial investment. Um, it's all just based on your time and ability to achieve your or complete your daily challenges and, you know, score decent on the leaderboard. And so, you know, because that proposition is pretty attractive, we haven't really had any issues with finding players that are willing to play as a delegated player. Um, and so, you know, right now we are kind of just trying to, to expand that player pool to, to welcome in, you know, preferably, you know, solid poker players to bring up the, the quality of gameplay um, within ice poker, but also, you know, we're, we're trying to build out, as many tools as possible to basically effectively manage your guild. And so our first iteration uh, of this tooling was the delegation dashboard, which you can use on our site if you're a guild owner um, or if you're you know, a wearable owner and you delegate one or more wearables, you can track the performance of all your players using the delegation dashboard. So you can see exactly how many challenges they're completing each day, if they checked in each day, um, you know, where, what average leaderboard tier they're achieving each day. And so, you know, basically we're, we're trying to just enable the folks that, you know, hold these wearables um, to be able to maximize the return. Um, and to do that, you know, we feel that the clarity and the performance of all the players that they manage is, is key. So that's, that was the first iteration. And, you know, we have many other features and, you know, kind of products within that um, initiative that we're really excited to, to roll out to basically further make the guild owners experience um, you know, better so they can, they can really optimize the return from the wearables. And do you have a, uh, a sense of like how big some of these guilds are right now? Um, like what are, what are some of the, how many NFTs does some of the bigger guilds hold at this point? Yeah, we've actually, um, we've been really closely tracking the distribution of these NFTs because we really want it to be a wide distribution. And so for all the drops, you know, we, we limited it to, you know, one per address and because they sell out pretty pretty quickly, um, you know, 
each address isn't able to get more than one typically. Um, and so, yeah, we've actually seen, um, let's see, right now we have 2,742 guilds within the iSpoker ecosystem. And, you know, we, we call them native iSpoker guilds because, you know, they're, they're unique to our platform um, because they're managed on our platform, not like an external platform where, you know, it's game agnostic. And so we, we feel that there's tremendous value in that. And then, yeah, so in, in terms of numbers um, of those, you know, 2,700 guilds, um, you know, only 1,200 of them only have one NFT, um, mm. you know, around 600 of them have two to three, um, and then around 800 of them have four to nine NFT. So, you know, we, we have a few like larger guilds, but I would say for the most part, our, our distribution of NFTs is pretty wide, uh, which I think is, is really important um, yeah. because, you know, you don't want, you know, any particular party kind of controlling too many of the in-game assets because they become too powerful. Um, and so, you know, we typically, you know, a lot of games nowadays um, due to the blockchain gaming hype have kind of done like these, you know, pre-sale OTC deals with, you know, these larger guilds um, that are typically game agnostic. And so I don't know, um, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I just didn't think that that was the right approach um, to, you know, forming a solid, you know, strong community around ice poker. And so we, we really took it very seriously to make all of our drops as wide of a distribution as possible. And really, if someone wants to, you know, accumulate a large amount of NFTs and start a large guild, then they, you know, have to buy off secondary. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, granted, maybe we didn't sell as many NFTs up front as we could have, if we, you know, did these kind of larger OTC deals with, with, uh, you know, these large guilds, but I do think, you know, we're very well positioned with our current distribution of holders of these NFTs so that, you know, the ecosystem is healthy, uh, long-term. Yeah. And I, I, that's one thing that I really like about, uh, ice is it, <clears throat> I think that in DG you've clearly done a really good job of trying to bring in a much wider, um, kind of user base of both NFT owners, guilds, and also I like that you do regular mints where instead of pricing like the, the, the NFT in ETH, you'll do it in the native ICE token at like a massive reduction on secondary market value as well, which I think like, as you mentioned, if someone wants to go and buy up a ton of NFTs, they have to pay like a four to five X premium on the secondary market. So that transition of moving people from, you know, being delegated to to an actual nft holder seems so much more realistic in my opinion inside ice poker than it does in many other of the kind of current larger games in the p2e space right now yeah definitely it's 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 a delicate balance you know um you know we in our last couple drops the discount was pretty substantial from the secondary um you know i think longer term um you know minting within ice poker um inevitably has to to become more expensive to make sure that the you know long-term sustainability of the ecosystem is maintained. Um, because, you know, if you, if you let too much, too much value to be extracted by flippers, then it's not great. But yeah, in the early days of ice poker, we really wanted the mint prices to be, um, you know, lower so that we could welcome in, you know, folks that are really serious about growing their guilds. And so, you know, we typically did a white, um, do whitelists for the mints now, um, just to ensure that the people that are minting are 
have a stake in the ecosystem and they're serious about, um, you know, building out and adding value to the ecosystem. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, but it's obviously a balance though, because, you know, if you increase the mid price, then it's a bit harder for people to make that jump from delegated player to player owner, which is really key. Um, this is kind of goes along with this kind of larger idea that, um, you know, we've been really diving into, which is upward mobility. And so I, I keep saying it on Twitter and, for lack of a better phrase, upward mobility basically just is the potential of someone in the ecosystem to kind of move up the ranks, um, you know, socially, financially, um, in terms of status, um, because, you know, if they if they have that ability, then they're more willing to reinvest their earnings in back into the ecosystem. And that's really essential because basically any play to earn game is, is kind of like a mini country in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, and the team and you know the DAO is basically creating uh, fiscal policy for that mini country. And so, you know, you want as much reinvestment as is possible and, you know, as little um, selling of the rewards token and cashing out as, as possible, because that's basically value leaving the ecosystem. And so without upper mobility, you know, the reinvestment is not, you know, that attractive, but, you know, with the upper mobility, I think it's, it is really attractive, um, you know, to to reinvest your ice earnings back in dice poker to either mint or upgrade or you know expand your your guild basically. Uh, do you see that to... that's a do you see that's a path that's happening quite a lot? People moving from the delegated player into player owner uh, kind of transition. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, we just announced a mint. Uh, our next two mints, they're a bit pricier, but. Um, that's mainly just to, to basically um, ensure the long-term sustainability of the ecosystem. Um, but, you know, we, we really want to cater to that, that jump from delegated player to player owner. And so, um, you know, we do plan on, you know, for future ice mints to have like a s- small um, allocation of wearables kind of set aside for players that have grinded, you know, for several weeks, um, earned, you know, ice from playing as a delegated player and then our, are going to mint to, to become a player owner. So that's that's really something that we're we're taking very seriously and, and want to integrate into uh, all future ice drops. Uh, because yeah, we to answer your question, yeah, we've seen we've seen that um, kind of unravel even in the short time we've been live. It's been it's been pretty amazing to see you know players save up and and make that jump to ownership. Because after all, that's really what you know Web three and blockchain gaming is is all about is is uh, incentivizing people to custody their own assets. And so, um, you know, if people get too comfortable as a delegated player and don't want to make that jump, it kind of loses its purpose. Um, it kind of misses the point in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think it's it's key for any player and ecosystem to incentivize that jump and to make it attractive uh, for the, the players um, that are interested in doing that. For sure. And um, I, just a couple of last uh, questions and we're, we're, we're heading up to, to time here, but um, you know, one of, one of the things that I've noticed is from a gameplay perspective, I think there's a lot of talk about the economic incentives around this, but I think a very good and valid argument around a lot of uh, play to end games is that by and large, and I actually don't believe this to be the case for DG, but by and large, Playdown gaming isn't that great right now from an experience point of view. I think there's a lot of restrictions uh, that are in place there. One one thing I notice is the majority of this all happens on 
desktop and there's no major like mobile gaming that's really that widespread in play to earn is this something that you're looking to address or think about or think we're going to see a little bit more um in the in the near short term yeah absolutely um you know i think you know it's it's pretty clear that mobile is is the future of uh you know web3 just due to the accessibility um and you know access in in you know anywhere in the world um and so yeah even though our initial implementation of ice poker was on desktop and it's you know based in a browser um, we are working on a mobile-first version of Vice Poker. It'll just be a very simple PWA, accessible from any browser. You authenticate um, with your mobile wallet, so like a MetaMask mobile wallet to, mm. to start off with. But then you can just play um, from your browser. And so, you know, with this with this product, we wanted to address, you know, yeah, accessibility is kind of the main thing uh, to be able to scale to to millions of users a lot quicker um, than you know this you know, 3D virtual um implementation that we have currently in the metaverse um but then also you know we 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 wanted to kind of create a lower price point um in order to achieve ownership and so yeah we we plan on rolling out this this mobile ice poker product uh by the end of q1 and um you know we're trying to make it more accessible and you know basically a slightly lower um entry point price wise um, obviously, that will have to correspond to lower rewards um, per NFT, but we feel that this product will definitely play a very key role in getting Ice Poker, um, you know, to millions, millions of daily active users a lot quicker. So, would this be almost a, a separate version of the game, so to speak, uh, versus it actually being like a just the the exact same Ice Poker experience from desktop onto to mobile? Yeah, I would say it'll be very similar, um, but obviously it's 2D, you know, it's, you know, yeah. you, you kind of see a bird's eye view of the table, you know, we already started building it and testing it. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, we're kind of targeting a slightly different use case with this product, you know, obviously mm. with the lower rewards, we're not going to go for like the two to three hours daily that we currently have with our metaverse product. Uh, we're looking to do probably around like 30 minutes per day as a, as a period, a gameplay um, period in order to achieve your challenges and, you know, earn your full ice rewards. Um, and then obviously, you know, because of that, you know, the, the, the payouts will be slightly lower than the metaverse as well. And so, yeah, we think, we think with this product, you know, we'll take, you know, a lot of the concepts that we've, you know, pioneered with, with ice poker and, and port them over and, you know, slightly, um, tweak them in order to kind of address and accommodate this, uh, kind of new, uh, player experience, um, for mobile. Great. That, that sounds really exciting. I'm, I'm actually personally really excited to to see how that plays out. And and I think just on on the note of like future development, the last question to round this out, if you were to fast forward five years into the future, I mean, yeah, going back five years, we're, we're getting closer to uh, the, the 2017 era. So I know that feels uh, like a whole different world to what it is right now. But what, what do you see the GameFi space kind of looking like in that period or what do you at least hope it looks like in five years from now yeah definitely i mean if you just look at the success of vaxi infinity in the short amount of time the, the the size they were able to grow to obviously you know there's things with their economic model that, that, that i think um you know um could be improved upon in terms of mm. sustainability and economics but um, but, you know, they've shown that basically if you're able to grow to millions of users daily, the amount of value accrual that you have, you know, within the, the assets in the ecosystem is pretty substantial. 
And, you know, that's, that's really just with two or 3 million users. I think, you know, in the next five years, um, we can definitely see some gaming ecosystems, you know, play to earn game five, you know, blockchain gaming ecosystems that grow much larger than that. Um, I think the key is just having the right incentives in place so that the economics are balanced. And so, you know, even if you do achieve massive growth, you don't have to deal with like too much emission problem, you know, problems down the line. Um, and so, you know, we've been really taking that into consideration um, with building, you know, ice poker incentives. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, that Axie has shown that that, that that type of growth exponentially is is possible. But I do think it's really just the tip of the iceberg. I think, you know, in the next five years, we can see some, you know, GameFi ecosystems grow to, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in value, um, you know, if they're constructed correctly from the start. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, listen, thanks so much, Miles, for coming on to the podcast. It's been great to hear what you and the team are building over at Decentral Games. Um, and I'm sure everyone here is going to be checking out and following probably the next Mint that that you all put on. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything in the future. Thanks, man. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at decryptopodcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.